The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Darlington is supposed to be the meanest racetrack. This is Darlington International Raceway, the granddaddy of them all. This oval produced victors of uncommon valor. Cale Yarbrough and Dave Pearson are moving to a showdown. People are talking about it too tough to tame, and I said, if anybody's going to tame it, I'm going to try to tame it. Bill Elliott has won an additional $1 million. The lady in black has held up well. With all her southern spellbinding charm, this is a lady you'll never forget. officially celebrating the years 1990 to 1994, but as we know, there are no rules when it comes to this party. Some folks getting started early, that's what we like to see. Welcome inside Darlington Raceway atop the Mobile One Peacock Pit Box. There you see it. We're kind of lonely on pit road right now. That won't be the case as the weekend goes on with Kyle Petty, Dale Jarrett, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. here atop the Peacock Pit Box. Dale Jr., back in a car for the first time in a year. And I know your day began with a press conference. Uh, it seemed like the entire PD Valley was in attendance. How glad were you to just get that over with so you could get back in the race car? Yeah, I'm not a huge fan of getting in front of the media like that. But uh, So that was nice to put that to bed and uh, get in the car and run some laps. I had so much anxiety about being in the car and how well I might do or how well I might not do. So we checked a lot of boxes today and it was just a great driving race car. I'll be honest, the car unloaded comfortable and fast and we really just kind of been smooth about our changes, understanding what we need to do to try to make the car better and not sure if we'd made it better, but uh, you know, having fun getting around here. I, I, was, I picked this racetrack because it's tough. It's hard. It's slick. A driver really has to be involved in what's going on, and it's definitely everything I hope for. Yeah, when, when you came up here, I asked you if it was fun. What'd you say? Yeah, it's what, a lot of fun. And then I said, you want to do it every week? And what'd you say? <laughs> Not at all. Not, Not at, at all, all man. <laughs> it's just that kind of fun, though. It's kind of fun to jump back in and do it uh, yeah. just for a weekend. I feel like I'm reliving my past a little bit. Yeah. I feel blessed to be able to do that one time a year. Um, but, yeah, I don't. It, it's hard. You know, I, when I came here... It's hard to do. It's hard to drive these cars. And when I came here, I ran a few laps in a test, and I was embarrassed. I was slow. It was hot. It was miserable. My heart was beating real fast. And I'm thinking, man, I've, I, you know, you just cannot get out of these things for 12 months and hop yeah. back in and think you're going to be great. Uh, this is the best of the best, whether it's Xfinity, Cup, Trucks. These are great, great, great drivers here, and they do it every single week. So to jump back in there and feel like I'm going to blend right in was uh, – I think I was biting off more than I could chew, but – uh, the day's been real smooth, and hopefully tomorrow will be the same. Yeah, so you you, had, you were fast, and you kept it out of the wall, but some of your competitors didn't do that. <laughs> did, did you challenge the wall much uh, in that second practice up against the wall, and especially in three and four? There's still a lot of uh, there's still a lot of room for me entering turn three as far as opening up the corner. To make that exit work the way you want, 
up against the wall, you have to enter high. You yeah. have to enter on the wall. You can't shortcut that. And I'm not there yet. So I, I need to get into the corner a little higher into three. And, uh, you know, guys are, I don't, you know, I don't, every car gets in the fence for different reasons. Maybe this is guys lose tight. You really can't see why exactly somebody gets in the wall. You can see, obviously, the 12 losing the back there. But it just, I, I never really pushed my car hard enough to, to, to put it in the fence. I didn't want to be on TV for that reason. <laughs> I wanted to, uh, to just have a smooth day, have fun. I got in the car and was just like, man, I just want to smell the smells, hear the sounds, yeah. drive the car, enjoy what it's doing. We, we talked about it earlier during the broadcast, during the, during the first practice, risk versus reward. To risk a lot in practice, there's not much reward. Yeah from a practice standpoint, and, and talking to Leonard Wood uh, and the Wood Brothers documentary that comes on after us yeah. at 6 o'clock, talking to him about Pearson, he said that he would say, David, we're not fast, and David would say, I've not run where I need to run yet. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly right. He understood risk versus reward. Do you think that's part of practice? Heck yeah. I mean, and we see some of the great drivers still do that today. Like Kevin Harvick uh, runs a certain line, and, and you'll ask him, like, you know, he'll talk about, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to run – where I need to run or where I have to run yet. I don't have to. There's nothing, there's no reason to do that in practice. And uh, so we, you won't hardly see him get against the fence in practice sometimes at, at Darlington, especially maybe in three and four. He'll run that bottom line because it's, it's not necessary to get up there and get in the wall and cost your time and yourself time, uh, team, cost your team and yourself time to work on the car and get laps. Practice is very short, practice is very limited. So, uh, and your tires are limited. You know, we had <laughs> yeah. two sets of tires today. I had to practice on one set the whole first practice and practice on the other set the whole second practice. And there's, they're, they're wore out and slow and no fun to drive on after 30 minutes. And there's 30 more minutes of practice left. So it's, uh, you got to take, uh, take your time out there and just work your way up to it. But I got a lot more. I think the car's got a lot more speed in it. I think I can do a little better job too. So your drivers at Junior Motorsports and you're in a race, do they come seek advice yeah. uh, from you? Honestly, I really try to help. Like Noah, for example, I try to help Noah as much as I can all year long. But these weekends are where I think we can do the most to try to help those guys grow as drivers and and, and grown men. Um, I'm here at the track. I'm driving the car. We can talk about what we're doing in practice. We can talk about lines. And me and me and Noah were standing on the racetrack last night at sunset talking about how to run turn one and two on old tires and where you can move around. Everybody thinks there's one way through there, and there's not. There's a lot of different ways to approach that corner and. Uh, we were out on the track talking about it, and I don't get that opportunity every weekend. So this is a special weekend for me to to be able to to talk to my guys and spend some time with Junior Motorsports and those te- and those teams. You talk about passing that knowledge on and, and and passing it on as individual drivers and as young men. Um, and and we come, we all come from a place where stuff was passed on to us. Yeah. What does Darlington mean to you oh, when man. you come down here? Oh man, me and Darlington has such a tug of war over you know of our in our relationship over the years i I really hated this place uh when i first started racing here it's the hardest track i I mean there's road courses they're tough it's almost hard but when it comes to ovals i don't know of a more difficult racetrack uh to be disciplined you don't race the other cars you race the track you can't try to drive in the corner deeper and catch that guy in front of you uh, because you'll slip a tire. You, you're already running on the edge, and you'll get in the fence. And we see it time and time again, even in practice, with guys just stepping over that line. It's so easy to do and uh, so hard to be disciplined all weekend long. This is a, The cup race is the longest race. Yeah. Mentally and physically, you'll be going along and think, man, this thing's got to be close to being done. And you'll look at the scoreboard, and there's 100 laps left. <laughs> it's like, how in the heck are we going to get all the way to the end of this race? It feels longer than the World 600 to me. Uh, just a very hard, grueling, tough event. 
uh, it's hard on the cars, hard on the drivers. And uh, so for a long time, I, I, I dreaded coming here and I had awful results because of that. My attitude was bad and the results were bad. And eventually I started to try to figure out a way to fall in love with it and appreciate it. And I really got to learning and understanding and, and, and investing in the history and, and knowing them more about what this track has been, you know, what this track's meant to our sport, meant to NASCAR. And then I started loving it. We obviously, you know, throwback weekend helps a lot. How much fun is that? All these cars and teams really, everybody buying in on that and making that so special uh, makes this place even cooler. So uh, I love coming here, and here I am trying to drive around this track. I want... When, when I, in 02, 03, 04, dreaded this race, dreaded it. Yeah. And now I'm picking it. It's the only one I'm going to run this year of all the racetracks, right? So what made you pick your paint scheme for this weekend? This paint scheme is, uh, the, the paint scheme really is from Dad's first race at Charlotte in 1975. He drove it a Dodge owned by Ed Negree. Ed Negree drove that car uh, on the circuit, and uh, it was sitting in the back of the shop, Norman, Ed's son and dad were friends. Dad said, man, you ought to talk to your dad, Norman, about letting me take that car and me and you go race it in the World 600. Uh, Norman's like, dad dad will not let that happen, right? And uh, they, they badgered him for a while before Ed said, yeah, whatever. He didn't think they'd make the race. And they went out there and qualified and fin- and ran and, and, and crossed the finish line. They got, you know, many, many yeah. laps down, but he finished the race. And uh, that was, you know... There's not a lot of video and pictures of that car because nobody probably thought Dale Earnhardt was going to make it. Yeah. You know, they weren't they weren't a lot of focus on him that day. But we're able to raise awareness of that story and that team. Uh, Ed Negree, his son Norman. Norman uh, works at Stuart Haas Racing yeah. still today. Norman's been in the sport all his life. Uh, so just a great family and a great story. Look, look, I know everybody out there loves you. I just got to put my two cents in. I love you because you just called it the World 600. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. my man right Firecracker there. Firecracker 400, yeah, the it, World 600. Like but, 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 and, and Dale and I talked earlier with, with, with Rick Allen in the booth during the first practice again, um, what our memories of this place is. What, what are your memories, your, your fondest memories of coming here with your dad? I remember, like, Lake Speed winning here. Yeah. That was such an underdog, like, out-of-nowhere kind of victory. Um, I was here that day, and um, Dad running in the Xfinity Series in the 80s, I have that November storing it that yeah. he raced here back in the mid-80s, 85, 86, 87. I actually won here one of those years, and this, where we're at right now, is the back straightaway. And so this cup garage was the Xfinity garage, and I ran around in there all for many years as a little boy while Tony Sr. and Tony Jr. and, and, and all those guys were working on Dad's Xfinity car, that old Nova. And so those were kind of my first memories of coming here. I always hung out over here with the Xfinity guys and my family. Um, and then, you know, obviously coming, you know, when, when I started racing at Myrtle Beach, you know. So my memories in the 90s and, and were of driving by this place, going to the beach every weekend to race. And I raced at Florence I-95, which is 13 miles from here, uh, on Friday night. So I'd race at Florence and then go home swap cars. I didn't want to run my good car on Florence. I want to take it to the beach. <laughs> so I'd take my good car to the beach on Saturday night. But just uh, I, I would, we would pull in and go through the museum. I, I'd been through that museum 15 times. Yeah. I still wanted to go through it again and again yeah. and again, you know. Yeah. So now it's all coming together and making a little bit more sense as to why he chose this. Yes. After you telling us that your dad wanted to make his, the the World 600, uh, to go run early on right. in this career. So y'all just want a huge challenge, apparently. I've yes. never won here, <laughs> and this is a driver's track. Yeah. If you want to put a trophy on your on your mantle, a lot of guys are going to say yeah. it. they want Darlington. Yeah. Because this is such a this is where drivers are made, and uh, I'd love to have a trophy. 
I love how you describe it as a tug of war, yeah. you know, for over the years <laughs> and coming back your childhood. Yeah. You guys grew up here as well. We're going to talk about some of the cool paint schemes we've got coming up. Dale mentioned Myrtle Beach. We're going to talk about that. We also have Corey LaJoy, Daniel Suarez. A lot going on here, and it's not a party without Brett LaJoy. Oh, thanks, Chris. I'm so glad to see Dale back. You know what? Paint schemes, uniforms, throwbacks galore. We've got all of that and a whole lot more here at Darlington for this historic weekend of racing. was 1990, and the 80s were finally over. It was also over for pop duo Millie Vanilli, who had their Grammy rescinded because you actually have to sing. <laughs> Girl, you know it's true. Vanilla Ice started spitting ice cold rhymes. If there was a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out the hook while my DJ revolves it. The Simpsons made us laugh at a cartoon. And a show that was about nothing really turned out to be something. At the box office, Tom cruised like thunder and taught us that rubbin' is racing. And down in Darlington, Dale Earnhardt won back-to-back -back Southern 500. Dale Earnhardt wins the Southern 500 for 1990. All about throwback weekend. I don't know about Ken Squire quoting Vanilla Ice. That was a strange combination. You liked it. Uh, listen, I love it when he says, girl, you know it's true. <laughs> Maybe <laughs> That's a, Ken Squire, man. <laughs> a better combination might be Rutledge at Darlington. I I don't know, Krista. I mean, hearing Ken Squire quote Millie Vanilli was even better to me. It turns out you do have to sing to win a Grammy. The throwbacks here at Darlington are so much fun. It's one of these weekends that now everybody says I can't miss. So I'm going to tell you some of the favorites. Obviously, i got to start with my favorite, the 43 car that Bubba Wallace is in. Take a look at this amazing paint scheme, a throwback to Adam Petty's car. This thing is gorgeous. It was so cool. I know Kyle was down here when they unveiled it, but a beautiful thing. You also got to give some love to William Byron and the 24 team, the City Chevrolet paint scheme looking so good. Of course, for all those days of Thunder fans, you can appreciate that even their uniforms, these guys are rocking right now down here in this heat matchup. They look so good. How about Eric Almarola in the 10 car paying tribute to the Boss Man's 02 series win. I love Smithfield on there. I can't lie. I really wish we had Home Depot back for a weekend. It just feels like it would be really fitting. But how about Corey LaJoy, another great paint scheme for him. That, of course, is the one and only Hall of Famer Dale Jarrett's 1991 Nestle paint scheme, the Crunch paint scheme that he had in the Xfinity Series. That car looks so good and so period correct, but it doesn't just stop there. I'm holding in my hands a copy of the Grand National scene. This started in 1977, of course, later became the Winston Cup scene, the NASCAR scene, ran up until 2009. This is a limited edition. There's 5,000 copies, and if you get a chance to grab one of these, there's so many cool historical events that happen here, but get this. Let me blow your mind a little bit at home. So to have as many issues as this thing did from 77 to 2009, Rick that owns it actually has every single copy, which means we could get these digitized and have for the masses every single Grand National scene, Winston Cup scene, and NASCAR scene available. How cool would that be, Kyle? We just got to get these guys a sponsor. 
Yeah, listen, I've got every every issue. <laughs> I think a lot of it, it's crazy. I mean, that was like speed sport news. That was the Bible for us. You waited for those guys to come through the garage and drop them off at your truck. Even though you might already know what the news was, you wanted to read it. You wanted to see what happened. It was a, it was a, it was a cool piece of what our sport was at that time. Yeah, absolutely. I got a bunch of those at home. Probably not every issue, not every issue, but uh, pretty awesome to see them come out with yeah. a commemorative issue, putting David Pearson on the cover of it, a man who's tamed this racetrack many, many times. Yeah, you know, one thing they had to do too, the fans actually had to write letters in, yeah. you know, to send in, <laughs> and they would be in there. Imagine so. writing a letter. I love it. It's <laughs> the details that make Throwback Weekend so cool, like that. Of course, South Carolina is right in the heart of stock car racing. NASCAR's top division has raced uh, at 10 different tracks in this state alone. One of those is next on our 50 States in 50 Days Tour. One of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s favorites, like he said, Myrtle Beach Speedway. Since it first opened in 1958, some of NASCAR's most legendary names have raced on this half-mile short track. Among them, yep, Dale Jr. and Ned Jarrett. They both got their first NASCAR-sanctioned wins at Myrtle Beach. Now, its signature event is the Myrtle Beach 400, which takes place the weekend before Thanksgiving. And its reigning track champion is Justin Milliken. In 2017, Justin was involved in a non-racing accident that ultimately claimed the life of fellow racer Terry Evans. Justin came back to win the title and continues to race in honor of his friend. Myrtle Beach Speedway, just a little bit down the road. And you were saying that's a, kind of a, a track that helped raise you, Dale. Absolutely. That's, but for whatever reason, that was the track, track that I chose to go race and learn at. And we raced at uh, Myrtle Beach Speedway for four years and uh, I wouldn't change a thing. I mean, I miss it terribly. Uh, there's some video right there of our first late model win. And uh, old Bobby Wellman, big spring chassis out there trying to beat them coilovers. <laughs> uh, but dang, look at it. You know, the old, just a, it's a wore out track. The same as Darlington. Just slick, rough on tires. And I, I've never been so thrilled to, to yeah, get a win. That's cool. You know, holding the checker flag in your hand. I'll never forget that. Yeah, well, back before it was asphalt, as we saw there with my dad, it was a dirt track in 1959. There's a story, and I'll get through it quickly, but so my dad was getting into the Cup Series, and um, it, it was the Grand National Series at the time, and uh, so he, Junior Johnson had a car that he wanted to buy, and so there were two races, Myrtle Beach, and then back at Charlotte Fairgrounds, uh, and so they ran back-to-back -back Saturday and Sunday. They paid $950 each to win. Now, my dad hadn't won in the Grand National Series at this particular time, but he felt like that, so that was $1,900. He wrote, Junior Johnson was asking $2,000 for this. My dad said, okay, well, I've got $100. But the banks were opened on Saturdays until noon uh, back in 1959. So he had to wait till right at noon. He kind of stalled Junior. Junior had no God, idea what was going on. And so he writes this $2,000 check to Junior and then has to go win the two races. So he writes the check. They load up the car, drive to Myrtle Beach. He drives the race, and he wins the race at Myrtle Beach. So he's got half the, the job yeah. done. But in doing it... They used to be, I don't know, y'all know that they used to wrap the yeah. steering wheels and they would do it with a black electrical tape. And so you'd have to wrap it in the proper way, especially on dirt tracks. And then he, he said there were big holes in the track. Anyway, it was wrapped the wrong way. So as he was turning and fighting this car in the corners and in these, it was tearing the meat, the skin right off of his hands. So his hands were bloody. And so he goes, has to go to Charlotte the next day to race. He races. He could only get through about half the race. Junior Johnson, by then the word was getting around. And so Junior actually got back in his own car and went on to win the race. And so my wow. dad won the two and was able on Monday morning to 
uh, make the check that he had written on Saturday good. Uh, to say my mom was happy about all that, probably not, but uh, yeah. uh, it all worked out. Yeah. And that, that's just my dad thinking he's so positive. He yeah. had Belie- no idea that it, he and couldn't go do that. And in himself, yeah. Yes, that's cool. That's, that, that is a cool story. When we did Coffee with Kyle and they had told that story, I went, wait a minute, you're telling me you hadn't won. you got to go win two races to pay off the debt that Junior, and Junior helps you win the race? Yeah. That's old school right there, man. That, that's that's NASCAR racing. That's cool. Well, all summer long, you uh, we've been celebrating grassroots racing, and you've been doing your part by sharing all of your great stories and excitement from local tracks. And it's really easy to do. You just go to your local track, to like Myrtle Beach, take a photo, shoot a video, and share it with the hashtag MyTrackMyRoots, and you could see it on NASCAR America or our weekend coverage. Now, another South Carolina short track, Greenville Pickens Speedway, checks in. Jeb Kelly won last weekend's Pure Stocks features there. Late model racer Curtis Hughes is looking for his first win of the year tonight at Dixieland Speedway in North Carolina. So he's getting in on the fun. And Spencer Saunders won last week's 25-lap Legends feature at Virginia's Langley Speedway. Got a lot in there. We got to talk a lot of grassroots racing, but we're going to have to say goodbye to Dale Jr. because Corey LaJoy is going to drop by to talk with us. Could I hang out? I'd like to talk to Corey. Yeah, you could. Yeah. yeah. Dale Jr. Yeah. is going to stick around. How about that? I guess I'm out. Kyle's <laughs> Definitely a party in Darlington, the official throwback weekend of NASCAR this year. Darlington Raceway honoring the early 90s. That's when Dale Jr. and I graduated from high school. <laughs> That's when Corey LaJoy was born. Putting what? it all in perspective. Yeah, 91, right? 91. 91. Corey LaJoy joining us now at the Peacock Pit Box. And we gave you a little teaser there before the break. You're wearing... A Dale Jarrett fire suit. Did you know he had that? Had no idea. I don't no. even know where they dug this thing up from, but uh, it actually fits pretty good. Hall of Fame. Yeah, that's right. Awesome. That's that's they got no, it, somebody to. had it, uh, but yeah, man, I was surprised it fit pretty good. Yeah, I knew I had a cup. I still have one uh, at the at my office. I, I assume I do, uh, but I don't think that's <laughs> the one anymore. from there. Yeah, but uh, I might have to actually uh, race good. in this thing. Brings back a lot Sunday of memories. Night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. A lot of good things happened with that sponsor. We were, I told this story earlier, we were very popular in the garage area because every week you right, would right. bring candy <laughs> yeah. and ice cream. And we had, I mean, they literally put uh, a bin outside our, our hauler. And if you couldn't find your crew member, you just came over to the 32 hauler because they were probably over there getting candy or ice cream. So for a couple of years, it was a fun place to be. Unfortunately, we don't have any Nestle Crunch Bars, but we do have all the Corvette parts that you can possibly find at CorvetteParts.net <laughs> this weekend. So shameless plug there. And the, the scheme looks awesome. Uh, and it's the least we can do to give an O to DJ. Uh, it, it was one of my favorite cars just growing up. It was one of the most iconic uh, Bush cars back in the day. That was a, a little bit this? creepy. I don't know what they were doing there. Uh, um, yeah, I don't know. That's a little creepy to me. Uh, a, I can't believe how bushy <laughs> Dale Jarrett's mustache is. <laughs> we got half Corey, His half mustache Dale. is on another level that it I is. probably will never be able to, to get mine to. So, well, Nor will it ever achieve. I can promise you that. Uh, I don't know about that, but it, yeah, we talked about it earlier. That's what uh, early 90s, your dad and myself, I mean, Jeff Gordon came Everybody along. Had and had him, much, yeah. Everybody pretty much had long hair and a mustache, and you know, that's kind of what we did uh, during that time. So, Corey, you uh, came over the bus last night. Uh, to talk a little bit, and you told me this amazing story, and I was wondering if you could share it with us about you almost became a full-time crew member in the Cup Garage not a long time ago. Yeah, it was only uh, four years ago. Yes, yeah, so that was a uh, uh, I was going to 
try to condense it because it's a pretty long story, but uh, 2014, all my driving opportunities had dried up at the time. So I was flying out west to crew chief of K&N West Car for David Mayhew. Uh, and, and we won a couple of races and this one particular race was on TV and Jimmy Johnson couldn't sleep and he was watching his bus and, and realized what they'd said on the broadcast that Corley LaJoy was a crew chief. He's like, I wonder if it's the same Corley LaJoy that used to drive, right? So Jimmy texts me, hey man, like, is that what you want to do? And I was like, well, not really. I like to drive because you don't have to work near as hard and you make <laughs> a lot more money. Uh, but I didn't have any opportunities to drive at the time. So he was like, man, I'll, let me get you hooked up with Chad. Uh, Canals and and maybe maybe you can get down that path right because I enjoyed it I was fairly decent working on cars just kind of had to do it myself on all the stuff growing up and uh, I called Chad and him and I kind of went back and forth and uh, he was going to put me in more or less the Hendrick system and find a spot for me whether it be a car chief over at Junior's place or something he was going to more or less groom me to be a, a crew chief I guess and I wasn't quite ready to jump in with both feet I always had one foot left uh, because I knew what I was capable of to able to do behind the wheel. I just feel like I never got that opportunity to show it. Uh, and I slept on it for a couple weeks and I finally called him back. I'm like, hey, Chad, I appreciate the opportunity, but uh, man, I just, I, I really think I, I still have a little bit of hope to drive one of these things. And man, who would have thought, uh, who would have thought five, four years later, I'd be starting the Southern 500 with a Dale, with a Dale Jarrett scheme. You know, it's uh, it's crazy where life takes you sometimes. But man, I was uh, man, there was a bunch of watershed moments in my career, and that was one of them where I just could, didn't want to give up that dream of driving in, in the uh, NASCAR series. Wow. So not everybody watching may not know exactly your family history of being in this sport, and so you've been around it all your life. Yeah, I've said my dad uh, was a two-time Bush Series champion. Uh, Randy, he was very successful, but you know, it's it's almost backwards in the sense where people just assume that since my dad was a successful race car driver just like you dale he didn't set me up with the nicest cars or the, the best the smartest people he made me work for it and claw for it and really build that passion myself uh, from the ground up so uh, i definitely cherish that and i wouldn't be here doing what i'm doing getting paid to drive around in circles if it wasn't for you know him and stealing that hard work and that work ethic down to this that's really that's the only thing that's kept me around in this garage is just uh trying to relate and be personable to all the people in the so garage that's one thing that i've always thought a lot about you is you've worked on the cars you drive you make you make those cars better when you work on them do you have that same ability uh in the cup garage today it's not the same as a drive you know dr drivers in the cup series don't have the opportunity to work in the garage with the car and work with go to the shop do you still have a physical hands on your car no they yeah uh, they don't <laughs> particularly let me get in there and work on it because obviously they have the checklist and right if i do right. something in the interior cockpit and i mess up right it's the interior guy's problem but so. i think you're you're as you're as uh sort of respected for your ability to drive as much as you are for your ability to build a car set up a car create a fast car you know you were that crew chief on that canyon team dominating for a reason so uh, how hard is it to sort of ha be hands off at this point it was hard in the beginning uh just because there was people to do those jobs that i've never worked with or been in those situations where there are people way more qualified than myself to do a job uh and it, it took a little bit for me to to back up but on the flip side of that it also helps me behind the wheel because i know where to fine tune and help my crew chief dial in whether it's you know it's just way more uh in tune than just loose or tight right because that's not a whole lot to work with if i can tell them man we need to lower a race track bar pull a more wedge in it i kind of know the mechanical side as well as the driving side and it usually when whenever we don't unload particularly close uh randy and i can get that thing dialed in pretty close uh just because we don't have a lot of resources to work with compared right. to the big teams so we have to be 
really efficient with our changes and, and be smart whenever we do make changes. So we've been talking all day about how difficult a racetrack yeah. this is. Where does it rank uh, on your scale? Damn near the close to the top. <laughs> uh, man, this uh, this will separate the men from the boys here. Yeah, uh, it's it's one of my favorite racetracks. Anybody you talk to says how much they love coming to Darlington, just because it's so unique, uh, and it's really the only track that we have left on the schedule that's slap wore out. Uh, and you're so you're sliding around and you're hanging on, and you have to your your marks move throughout the course of the run because your tires are getting hot and they're getting worn out, and the pace slows down so much uh, that you're changing and the grip level changes every corner. So you have to be on your toes, and, and, and you know both of you here. If you drive into turn three, two car lengths too early, or sometimes even one car length too early, you're going to get sucked in the fence. So you uh, you have no time for a lapse of judgment here at Darlington, and that's, I think, what everybody loves about it. Yeah. Well, do something for us this weekend. When you're out there, kind of remember that channel, that dream that, that you held on to. You're driving at the Southern 500, yeah, that's, like you that's, said, in a Dale Jarrett car. That's pretty cool. You know, i got to pinch myself sometimes, just like when you go to places like the night race at Bristol or when you come here, you know, in the sunset in the Darlington, yeah. South Carolina, you're like, I am a driver in the Cup Series. Like, this is dang cool. Yeah. And, and four years ago when I was flying out west to Bakersfield every other week, that wasn't an option for me. So it's pretty cool to see, the, you know, what, what, what has God's moved in my life to put me here. Uh, and the blessings that and the people that he surrounded me with, it's uh, it's really cool. We're well, have fun yeah. watching you. On yeah, Sunday. and the car looks great. Thank you very Heck much. Yeah, I appreciate does. you doing that. Yeah, and fitting in that uniform, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I wish I could still fit in it. <laughs> I'm gonna give that thing a heck of a ride Sunday no, for you. Awesome. All right, that's awesome. Thanks for coming by and joining us. And Dale Jr., we're gonna let you go. Unless right. I know you've been sticking around, I'll, hanging I'll take out. Off. All right. So best of luck to you, Dale, tomorrow, yeah. Thank you. and to Corey on Sunday. When we come back, all right, we have heard Ken Squire today quote Vanilla Ice, Millie Vanilli. And Bobby Brown, what is next? I was raised in the Virginia mountains in a little town called Stewart. I always preferred a mild lifestyle. Growing up, I never thought something like this would ever be possible. The Wood Brothers crew has done the unbelievable from almost a lap down, find himself in victory lane. What magic did the famed Wood Brothers pit crew use for such fast pit stops? The Wood Brothers were the best pit crew in the world. These guys were brilliant. Everybody learned from them, and then they pretty much copied it. They innovated everything. And Leonard was the guy that built engines. They were the competition. A spectacular finish in the history of the sport. They're in the wall. Pearson is still running. The winner is car number 21. The Wood Brothers all about family. I love all of them. The hardest and fastest in stock car racing. The Wood Brothers, the most famous crew in racing, has won. The legacy continues. Coming up after Fan Friday, right when we're done, stick around for the premiere of The Wood Brothers, an all-new documentary on NASCAR's longest-running team. Of course, this weekend, Darlington honoring the early 90s, the era when NASCAR raced into the mainstream. Hall of Fame broadcaster Ken Squire watched it all unfold and takes us back. The stars and cars of NASCAR descend upon Darlington Raceway in the annual gala event, the Southern 500, a spectacle stretching back to 1950. Call it the final summer blockbuster an action-packed sequence where the location deserves top billing. It is Richard Petty, Garbaro right out of the racetrack, 
right alongside an A-list cast of champions and Hall of Famers. From 1990 to 1994, NASCAR exploded into a big screen, mainstream phenomenon. These days of thunder mark a period blending real heroes with Hollywood. Riding highest at this time was Dale Earnhardt, consecutive champion, 90 and 91, again 93 and 94. Pushing this protagonist was a supporting cast, no less talented. Mark Martin and Ricky Rudd performed all their own stunts, fearless folk. Fans couldn't help but admire. And straight from central casting, handsome Harry Gant, the fastest star in a driving role, four races in a row. The Mr. September Street started right here. Well, if they call Reggie Jackson Mr. October, then Harry Gant has to be Mr. September. 1992 marked a season in epic proportion. The Alan Kowicki, Davy Allison duel to dethrone Earnhardt's champion streak and the king also stepping down, riding into the sunset of final time. The footlights were also family friendly, dynasties running side by side at every turn. The Bodines, the Levantes, the Wallaces, the Waltrips. The 90s also featured a rising star by the name of Gordon. No flat-footed fluke, this spry talent stole each scene. Never dropped a line. With the wardrobe, the hair, the choreography that fills us with nostalgia, this Darlington race is timeless. The perfect setting for a throwback to any era. But those early 90s, those glory days, hold a special place in our history and hold a reverence that shapes who we are today. And Dale Kyle, you guys lived it. Yeah, we were there. I mean, that, gosh, that brings yeah. back a lot of memories, <laughs> no, KP, of, of everything that we went through and what the sport was going through and just the tremendous competitors there. Yeah, it, a great group of competitors. And I, I think that defines what the era of the sport was. When you look at Rusty and Mark and, and Dale and Dale um, and, and everybody that came through the sport at that time, you look at how the country embraced the sport. That was the first time they really stepped up and embraced it. They did later in the 2000s. Uh, but it, what a great time to be a part of this sport. Uh, before cell phones, uh, where everybody was taping everything you said and everything you did and putting it out there. I could not survive today, people. <laughs> could not survive. Well, how do you survive uh, throwback weekend? What's the, the, the key to get getting through? You know what? And, and we talked about it again this morning. Um, I, I think the thing for me is it's just it stirs so many memories. When you see these cars, you know, Junior talking about Edna Grease car. Yeah. Um, you look at so many of these paint schemes, the Richard Childers paint scheme, the black car with the gold number three. So many of my childhood memories came at these racetracks, just like Dale's did, watching these guys race, watching these paint schemes race. So when I see them, it's hard for me to say, oh, that's Austin Dillon, because to me, that's Richard Childers. Yeah. Yeah. It, it was fun, but something tells me that maybe Rutt is Well, I feel like he's been doing some research. We haven't heard oh. from him in a while. Rutt, what's going on? No research. 
Guys, I have done some research and I think I've amassed five great tips how people can have a successful throwback weekend here at Darlington. First up is lodging. And can you imagine if this was yours, a beautifully restored 1998 Prevo? I mean, this thing is gorgeous. Take a look inside. This thing has been completely redone. All original though, you can still see all the electronics. That my friends is a VCR. How about it even had a landline? It was amazing. You could call the front of the bus, you could call the back, and just because I'm a child, there's also a microwave. But that's not all. You know, that's a great start to have a cool place and, and an actual phone book to use to lodge, but you got to look the part too. So I also was gifted this very nice vintage style hat from our friends at MRN. Now you would think this is going to protect me with a little shade. I think they're throwing shade because they know tomorrow in the parade that goes through downtown, we're going to hose them like we always do. Now, a vintage t-shirt like my SE bikes, that would help. The old PK Ripper on some Skyway mags. How about a pair of shoes? That would be great. Air Max 90s, period correct, the vibe textile but you know what really do it guys how about a delicious bojangles biscuit with look at this oh, pimento I know, cheese i know what it's gonna be you knew huh I you did. knew it was gonna be pimento, pimento cheese. cheese i mean that's a southern favorite and if anyone had a lot of pimento cheese here out of the back of a station wagon it was definitely dale jarrett and kyle <laughs> petty's kids i know that much that's a fact Is that what Mom we did not have a bus did we no no not even no <laughs> Did you have a period correct footwear like Rutledge did? I, I don't think I ever wore that, anything that, that looked that, like that. That brightly colored. Um, no. Not without getting paid for it. They're having a <laughs> Bo, Bojangles is going all out with the pimento cheese biscuits nice. this weekend. How cool is nice that? Nice look. That's nice funny, look. Kyle. You're funny. Get us out of here. Get us out of here, people. All right. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about what you need here at Throwback Weekend. How about another driver, Daniel Suarez, on his way over to us? We're going to hear from him when we come back. That's a live picture of the Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series garage. You know, we are more than 1,500 miles from Monterey, Mexico, but the fans there are certainly going to be cheering for Daniel Suarez this weekend. And if you want to find him, his car looks like Tony Stewart, the boss's 2005 championship. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, definitely is very cool. Uh, really very fortunate to have the 2005 uh, paint skin, championship paint skin. So uh, it's been very cool, you know, the whole, the whole process of getting to this point because it's not just myself. Erika Mirola has one of the paint skins of the championship uh, as well as uh, Clean Boyer. Yep. So I feel like uh, we have a lot of a lot of history in, uh, in Stuart House Racing right now and uh, definitely having fun with that. And I want to ask you the history question. You talk about the history of that team. You came out of Monterey, Mexico, came to this country to drive a stock car. You're at its most historic motor speedway. Do you feel that history when you come here? Definitely. You know, I was uh, actually one of my cousins from Mexico. He's here. His uh, first race ever. Uh, he walked into a, into a racetrack. He said, man, this is it's a very cool place. And I said, well, this place, on my opinion, is like going 30, 40 years back. Everything. The mechanics, uh, the cars, the grandstands, the racetrack, everything. And I really like that a lot. You know, it's very old school. So uh, I feel like it's a, it's a very unique experience. And uh, for someone like me that obviously... You know, I've been I've been watching the sport for 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 a while now, but I didn't grow up watching the sport yeah. uh, because obviously in Mexico, uh, you know, we have so many different cultures and, and stuff like that. But uh, it's uh, it's very special to race here, and and on my opinion, one of the longest 
uh, toughest races of the year. Yeah. How about the first time when you came here and then, I mean, when you walk in here and we show pictures that shows asphalt everywhere, but there's only a little bit of it that you use. So how difficult was it for you to kind of get up to speed and understand what this track was about and what you could and couldn't do? You know, I remember the first time I was uh, watching races here, um, I used to don't understand why people were running always the wall. I didn't get it. You know, I didn't understand why. I mean, the, the racer was so wide, why everyone was running up there. <laughs> and, uh, and everyone was so tight. Just like you mentioned, there is so much asphalt, but everyone is running in, in, you know, just two lines or one line and a half. And uh, once you hit the racer, you understand why, because that's the fastest way around. And you have to be in that line. I remember uh, watching a few races uh, back in uh, 2013, 2014, when I was trying to make it into Xfinity Series. And, uh, and I, just, I was just trying to, to learn how you know, to, to get around all these places. And this is one of the places that it just didn't make sense to me all the way until you actually get into this place. And you talk about the, the Xfinity Series. You run here a couple of races, uh, or for a few races here, and then you move up to the cup level. You just said how long this race is. Try to describe the intensity of running that long, that many laps, and staying on top of the car and staying out of the wall. So, you know, I was, uh, I was talking with my cousin and uh, with my girlfriend about this, that, uh, that this is a race that is 500 miles. And, yes, we have the Daytona 500. We have the Coca-Cola 600. Those are races that are as long or even longer, but, you know, it's, it's not the same. You know, here, the room of mistake is so little. You know, you're running the walls for so long. The fall off of the tires is so big. Uh, for whatever reason, this race feels longer because you're working yeah. harder. It's kind of like running in Bristol a thousand laps, you know. You're going to be filling out of the seat by lap 600 <laughs> or 700, you know. It's just, it's just difficult. Uh, I remember my first cup race here uh we're halfway and i couldn't believe it <laughs> i thought we're, we're getting close to be to be done and uh yeah it's, it's definitely a long race and it's very very difficult mentally and physically uh just for the way that you have to run the track because as as close as you get to a wall as fast as you're gonna go and as a race car driver you, you're gonna run you're gonna run up there yeah. the thing is how long you can race up there without making the mistake. Okay, so speaking of that, you're sitting right there inside the cut line right now uh, for a playoff position with two races left and on a difficult racetrack like this. How do you go about navigating this uh, on Sunday night? And on top of that, you're racing a teammate uh, for that final spot at this point in time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's... Um it's kind of like a fun position to be, I, I will say, because everyone is asking me the same question. <laughs> so I'm, I'm here, I'm prepared for all these questions already. But uh, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the, the 41 has automation for Mustang. It's been, it's been pretty sporty so far uh, today. And uh, I'm really looking forward for the race. You know, uh, obviously it's going to be high intensity between uh, Ryan Newman, uh, myself, and Jimmy Johnson, Clint Boyer. And, uh, and even the guys that are around us because, uh, you know, you make a little mistake here and you're, all, you're out of the race and, and you, you never know what is going to happen. So I feel like uh, we just have to be smart. Uh, obviously, the, the priority is to, to, to finish the race in the top 10. I feel like a solid date is going to be uh, good for us. We can take the risk of wrecking or, or having a DNF, but, uh, but I feel like we're in a good position to have a, a good solid weekend. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, everybody knows I'm a Daniel Suarez fan, so that, that goes without saying here. But uh, And I, we talked about it earlier. Out of these four, if being positive about driving, if being positive about their team, if being positive about what you can do personally moves you in, then you move all the way up to about third or fourth in the points uh, <laughs> after this race because you're so positive. Is that an important part for these next two races, to stay focused, to stay positive, and to stay on top of what your team needs and not worry about everybody else? Totally agree, Cal. And um, first of all, I appreciate all your support, as you know. Uh, but uh, I feel like if I start to stress, my whole team is going to stress. So I, I'm the one that I have to be the most calm on my team and trying to, to bring my team, you know, relax and being calm and do or think. Uh, if we can do this in the next couple of races, we're going to be able to go to, um, what is the first race? Vegas, to Las Vegas, to the first race of the playoffs. You know, that, that tells you actually that I'm not even thinking about the first race. <laughs> exactly right. that, I'm does. just thinking about Darlington and Indianapolis. That's yeah. all I'm thinking about. <laughs> after that, I can take care of Las Vegas. But uh, well, after that, we can go all in in Las Vegas and trying to do our thing and trying to fight hard with, uh, with the rest of the competition. For now, we have a goal, and the goal is to try to be consistent, good, strong, but, uh, but we can't afford to make big mistakes. Daniel Suarez living, yeah. we're certainly in the yeah. moment. Thank you very much for coming over. Thank Your you. boss is going to be guys. confused this weekend. Those three Tony <laughs> out there, it's going to be wild. And tell your cousin, we hope he has a great yes. time. Yeah. His first Thank you. Race. I appreciate it. That's awesome. Thank you. Of course, uh, when we come back, we're going to wrap things up before showing you that Wood Brothers documentary, Throwback Weekend on Fan Friday here at Darlington. Welcome back. Coming up next, it's the premiere of The Wood Brothers, an all-new documentary that chronicles the story of one of racing's most historic teams. What do you guys think when you see this car in the garage? Oh, that, it, to me, this is my favorite, uh, just because of the history and what it means. It goes back to, to Glenn Wood and his uh, first, well, his only time to, to race here back in 1957. Uh, so, you know, they've bought in since this started uh, a few years ago here, every single time with uniforms, uh, the, the paint schemes, everything. And, and I think it's probably really special to Kyle and I because this is a team that got both of us our first win in the Cup Series. Yeah, so it, you know it's family. It, it's family. And we're family connected through the Wood Brothers, through Glenn and Bernice and Kim and Lynn and Eddie uh, and their wives and their kids. But I love this car because that 21 on the door was Glenn's 21. That's the font of his number. That's not the number that Dale run and not the number that I run and the font that we run. That's old school font right there. And Eddie and Lynn and, and, and again, Kim and everyone did a great job at this. And uh, this documentary is going to be special. Uh, it's yeah. really going to be special because they are family. And I think that's what's going to come across as much as what they've meant to the sport and as much as what they've meant to the racetrack. It's the family side of the Wood family uh, that makes them special in that garage. Yeah, area. nobody else here. There's a lot of history here, but nobody has the history right. that the Wood yeah. Brothers uh, have in this. So it's going to be fantastic uh, reliving uh, so much of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Glenn, his brother Leonard, Hall of Famers. We yeah. certainly miss Glenn sure. here in the garage, especially here at Darlington. So that is going to do it for Fan Friday here at Darlington. We're going to be back tomorrow starting at 1230 Eastern here on NBCSN. Remember, two qualifying sessions and Xfinity Series Racing from Darlington. But like we said, we've been getting you ready. If you don't know what's coming up next by now, then you certainly haven't been listening. Stay tuned right now for the premiere of the Wood Brothers. It is going to be something special as we celebrate NASCAR's throwback weekend. Enjoy the show.
The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. 